You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail at Doug Branson, LOH, and what used to be a co-host, kind of an OG, <laughs> like a secondary OG, but he is back, and he can only be here for two seconds because he's a very busy man right after the month of Big March. time in us. Big time yes. in us. Now that he goes to New Orleans, he covers the uh, the Final Four. Suddenly, he's a big timer now. He is fat off of beignets and gumbo. Oh, it is Nada Edwards from the Ion Podcast, Ion College Basketball Podcast. Nada, how are you doing, man? Man, look, I'm still, my body still doesn't feel right. So I am still jet lagged. I am still overloaded from beignets. I am looking for water and vegetables, two things I did not find in New Orleans. So outside of that, I'm feeling good. My kidneys might shut down in the middle of this, but I will be fine. Well, we'll get you out of here in two seconds. We don't want to deal with that anyway, right? You yeah, got something no, else no. to deal Kid, with. Renal failure on a podcast is a horrible way to go. You on like your own time. Like, Yes. On your own time, Nada, you can do that on your podcast. You don't come into our podcast and do that, but it feels like you are kind of going to cause some damage with your takes on this podcast based off of what we heard you talk about before we started recording. And it's not like this is a secret. If you follow no. Nada at Nada the Scribe for any length of time throughout his hosting days here, throughout just you knowing Nada via Twitter, he is one to take the flamethrower and set it to his timeline. And he is here to do that about the Charlotte Hornets and even James Borrego, specifically with people wanting him gone pretty immediately. Like, let's just dive into the flames here because okay. yeah, I let's know do it. You, you've put out a new rule and you've actually been a little more critical of James Borrego this year than in years past. But you have put out a new rule that if you're going to come to me with James Borrego needing to be fire takes, then you're going to have to replace him. You got to come up with a name. So let's just get your overall thoughts on what people have thought about JB Hornets fans specifically. And what do you think about JB, the success or lack thereof that the Hornets have experienced this season? If you are going to solely blame James Borrego for what's gone on this year, you are intellectually lazy or you're doing it for clicks. One of the, uh, one of those two things. It, it can't be anything other than that. Has James Borrego not been good this year? To his normal standard, I will, I will go that far with you. I can go that far with you. But I need people to stop being so friggin' lazy. Because quite honestly, if we're going to have all this smoke for James Borrego, I need people to have the same smoke for Mitch Kupchak and not giving them a real center or giving them any real veterans at this point. James Borrego has had a down year and you know what? Cool. We can admit that. But at the same time, I need people to come up with realistic solutions. Fire JB. Okay. Replace him with who we gonna replace him with Kenny Atkinson. Who's probably not leaving golden state for whatever job for this job, because the lead assistant for the golden state warriors is going to take a job that's not ready to win a title. Okay, sure. You're going to bring Darvin Ham in here? Same problem. Lead assistant for a title team? He's not taking this job either, guys. At some point, we have to deal with the reality that, yo, 
JB might be the best we have for right now until this team becomes a title-ready roster. The only way, and I stress this, the only way that you ever think about bringing bringing in a new coach is if LaMelo's done with him. Complete, that, that's the only way, full stop. LaMelo's got to be the one to say, I want that guy out. Because outside of that, there's no point in getting rid of him just yet. Give him, and mind you, I'll throw this caveat out there for this. If you want him gone, and or let's say next year, they come out, they're underwhelming before the All-Star break. They're in the same spot where they are, where they're middling, same issues with a better roster. Then, yo, cool, fire him. But for right now, I need people to stop being so friggin' lazy. What do you think, Doug? What do you think? We don't need to run that through the hot machine, do we? No, it's pretty hot. I mean, I, I, I'm sure the uh, YouTube commenters will have plenty of suggestions as to who they would like to see uh, replace James Borrego. I said uh, winning record or bust at the end of the, uh, at the beginning of this season, and um, I don't think that's yet out of reach. Uh, they would at this point, what they would have to win uh, two out of the last three of these games, which is again not. Which is probably what they're going to be favored to do, right? I mean, they're going to be favored against yeah, Orlando, yeah. and they're going to be favored against Washington. So it's not unrealistic. At the same time, uh, I think, you know, some of the messaging that we've heard from James Borrego, uh, the four pillars, sense of urgency, <laughs> oh, no, a lot of these up. buzzwords and and cliches, they simply haven't been reflected in the play. Like, I mean, uh, you know, to, to allow two teams, right, as you're getting ready to go into this play-in scenario, to allow two teams, two very good teams, but to allow them 144 points, uh, you know, each, I, I think uh, there, <laughs> and you've got, you've got after the game, Miles Bridges saying, there's no, you know, we don't have a sense of urgency, you know, th- this late in the season. I just think this might be a similar scenario to what we saw with Steve Clifford, which is the message seems to be wearing thin or being lost. And, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily a reflection on, on JB's coaching ability or just the length of time that these players have had with JB and not had the playoff success, whatever it is, it might be time for a new message. And I think that's, I don't think people are being lazy. They're just saying, hey, uh, you know, the clock is ticking on LaMelo Ball in Charlotte. Let's make sure that we're taking the most advantage we can of that time. Yeah, here's here's my take on this. Like with the LaMelo Ball stuff, you're right, Nada. If LaMelo is done with the coach and that even trickles down to some other players, then fine. You got to go find somebody else. And I understand that. But there are some pretty wild comp- conspiracy theories out there yeah. in comments, in Twitterverse that, hey, this didn't happen. I, I saw a comment the other day and I forget who they're, they're all running together where it was like, I, you know, Montrez Harrell probably got mad at James Borrego for playing Gordon Hayward when he returned. And James Borrego punished him and that's why Montrez didn't play it's that's not by itself right there are so many different things out there that run rampant and with James Borrego I actually don't subscribe to the theory that you have to come with somebody better I would argue nobody had James Borrego's mind or a name in mind when Steve Clifford was replaced like this stuff happens all the time like you can find some coaches on the staff somewhere the Hornets they interviewed everybody they interviewed Jay Laranega, they interviewed Ime Udoka, they interviewed James Borrego, and Borrego eventually got the job. So I do think a good coach or a average coach, whatever level of coach, can come from anywhere. That's why I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that you need a name. I, I don't think Borrego needs to be fired this season. I think the thing that would change that is if they had an embarrassing showing in the play-in tournament, and that would be the second one in a row. 
that's tough to come back from, no doubt about it. But if they don't, then I kind of agree with you, not aware he coaches next year. Now is like no excuses land whatsoever. And if he underperforms before all-star break, then might be time. So to go. Walker, you're saying essentially that this play in that James Borrego could be coaching for his uh, future here. Well, we've this talked about game. this. If yeah. they lose by 25 points, goodness gracious, it's the second year in a row with the high stakes game where you are denied playoff opportunities because you get beat and drilled by 25. Like not, is that fair? I, here's my question to everybody, and, and I, I understand this, but to you guys, is there a roster that you're saying, okay, they're worse than us and they have a better record? Like, that's where I'm looking at this. At like, macro. You have to look at this at the macro. Like, I understand what you're saying about if they get drilled by Atlanta or if they get drilled by Cleveland. Yo, cool. I can I can understand him being on the hot seat. I can even understand making some chips some changes in the staff and I'm looking at Jay Triano and a couple of the other assistants first. I think JB is back no matter what, but I also understand how this just changes the amount of changes they make to the coaching staff and the roster. Yeah, that's Look, fine. You can always, you can always point to roster, you know, issues. You could have pointed to that with Steve Clifford. I mean, there, there were, there were opportunities for that organization and Rich Cho to give Steve Clifford the players that, you know, would have made Steve and, and drafted better. And, you know, there are all these situations, but ultimately this is a results-based uh, industry. And uh, if they finish 10th place in the East and get bounced from the first play-in game, uh, I just, I don't, I don't think that's good enough. Yeah. And largely not. I agree. Like with a lot of what you're saying, because Mitch shouldn't be skating for this season, you yeah, know, not but, at all. Uh, here, here's what I will say. I don't think Mitch cares. Based off comments that he's made, Mitch Kupchak is not necessarily interested in going all out to win this year, and that includes spending what he viewed more money on a center, whether it be a Rashawn Holmes at the time, whether it be trading somebody didn't want to for Miles Turner. Mitch wasn't about to do it, and Mitch is okay with sacrificing wins for the now to not do anything, quote-unquote, stupid for the future. Now, you could argue the Gordon Hayward contract, the Terry Rozier mm -hmm. contract, hey, that's where your ideas kind of conflict a little bit. Why are you paying those guys so much money? But I do think that Mitch even said in those comments, we got a little ahead of ourselves this year. We gave ourselves the playoff mandate. Mm, probably shouldn't wow. have said that. The players shouldn't have said that. And <laughs> that's where he is. Got I a mean, little froggy. Hey, a little froggy. <laughs> players got a little froggy, as uh, Mitch Kupchak might say. Uh, can you stick around one more segment? And, one more and segment. Then, one more and segment. take that and then, take that in and then I'll let you All deal right. with the fire. All right. I want to talk about Gordon. I want to get your thoughts yeah. on Gordon. All right. BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship. It's on right now. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wager, uh, sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports scores. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. More nada, hot fire coming up next. Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti and Russell Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, guys, they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can we get P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
All right, now we'll get to Gordon Hayward and some other players in just a moment. But I was talking about Mitch Kupchak, what his philosophy was heading into this season. Uh, I know you wanted to uh, respond to it. Here's the thing. Do you know who said this roster was not good enough, Walker? We said this back in the summer. We did say this roster. I Look, I was pounded for having my problems with what they did in the yeah. free agency. You know, the Terry Rozier contract extension was the one that a lot of people hated. But also, like, you know, with Kelly Oubre specifically, man, you know, that those chickens are coming home to roost in the second half mm-hmm. big time. Like, you know, w- with watching Malik Monk do his thing for the Lakers, I understand we don't want to have that conversation about whether nope. he would have done uh, that here on. with the Charlotte nope. Hornets. Okay, you can get okay, out that's of fine. here. Look, okay, it's it's just like if Malik is doing that, it's th- there was no winning that argument then because he's literally having a great season. It's like, well, I wasn't going to do that here with the Hornets. Well, it's because Borrego wouldn't let him. Like, that's my problem with Borrego, right? I got I got a couple different in- that's problems. With, that's you would Malik Monk would get pulled to the bench after like missing his first shot. Kelly Oubre is allowed to shoot, you know, 40 times anyway. Um, but yeah, like I've had my problems with what Mitch Kupchak did this off season, what James Borrego did this off season, all that to say, I don't think either of them should be fired based off what their experience is to this point in their Hornets tenure. No, I don't think they should be fired. Like, I just want people to step back and take a look at the macro. And that, and that's the big thing that I just want everybody to understand. This team made a significant jump to get to 40 plus wins this year. And I, and I know people won't see it that way, but also at the same time, the conference made a significant jump. Think about it like this. The team that's in the Eastern Conference, like we have an Eastern Conference finals team from last year that is in the play-in right now. That's how good the Eastern Conference has gotten overnight. I think a normal year, we're talking about this team being probably where Toronto is. Unfortunately, it wasn't a normal year. This was a much more competitive year than I think anyone seemed to understand that it was. I, I get why people are upset. I get why it, people are frustrated. I just don't think that you should take your feelings out on this team per se, because I think there's a lot more growth that happened this year. And as I've said on this podcast for many an episode, so have you, Walker. Growth is not necessarily linear. And I understand people want to look at the results, but I think the results show a lot more growth than there is the negativity around it right now. Gordon Hayward, what do you think? Uh, Should he start? Should he come off the bench? Uh, It looks, you know, he was was a light scratch in that last game. I don't think they need him. I think they have got... (laughs) That's a bolt. I honestly don't think... I think trying to fit him in right now coming back as late as he did i don't think they need him i think they're they've gone past the need like he's become training wheels after a while you needed him to learn everything and everything else like that it's time to move that guy and it's time to move him for a big well and and that's gonna be but naughty you have to admit that that's going to be difficult, right? I mean, he's got, I do. he's, he's got the injury tag on him and it, it didn't get any better this season. I, it's a huge contract. I mean, I think as much as people don't want to hear this, I mean, I think the Hornets are, are, unless something crazy happens, I think the Hornets well, are, are stuck with Gordon Hayward. And I, I, I think you got to find a way well, to get him back into the rotation and figure something out for next season. Well, every contract is tradable. It just depends on how much you're have a hit you're willing to take. And that's the question, right? Because you, you can mm-hmm. trade Gordon Hayward if you want to, he's, he still has enough talent. Like that's the problem, right? 
Like we don't necessarily think Gordon is this awful player. It's just that the dude can't stay healthy. And now it has become a glaring problem, even more so because now you have two years in a row where this guy is going to be on the bench to end the season. It, it is extremely troublesome to have him play on Saturday, have two days rest Sunday, and Monday, and then be a late scratch on Tuesday against Miami. You need this. If you're going, well, to you know what the, you know, you, you know ahead. what the real problem is. You know what the real problem is, is that Bridges has gotten very comfortable playing the three. And yep. you've got a decision to make in terms of resign. He's got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make, whether you want this to be the future. And Miles is exploding right now offensively. Uh, so, you know, and and he is re- very comfortable playing alongside PJ at the three. Well, now that, let's get you out of here on this. Like I saw you tweet this, and I kind of agree, you know. I, I did think there was a large portion where they needed Gordon Hayward in the half-court yeah. set. They needed him last year. But when they had that five-game winning streak starting with New Orleans, it started to play a lot better. I don't think it's the lack of or absence. I don't, I don't think Gordon had any impact on this Philly loss or this yeah. Miami loss. I'm with you. And I think Miles and his ascent to what he's done – has allowed them to kind of go away from a Gordon Hayward. And I think you're right. Like training wheels is, is honestly a really great example. Like at this point, I, and I know that people think that they can't trade Gordon Hayward. Russell Westbrook has been traded twice on that bad contract. I'm not saying it. No, I don't, I don't think it can't be traded. I'm just saying it would be very difficult. And as yeah. Walker said, you would have to take a hit. So oh, like no, I, is 50 I, cent on the dollar worth it? Is, yes, is six fifty. Is is that where you're drawing yeah. the line? Is that the like, over under? I, I I think I want to see what happens in terms of the picks they get. Does New Orleans make the playoffs? Because if New Orleans makes the playoffs, you're talking about two first rounders this year, and you're talking about pack p- packaging a Gordon Hayward with that. That might be able to get you fifty to sixty, maybe even seventy five cents on the dollar, and then you're talking about not taking as bad of a hit. I want to see what that. I want to see what a Gordon Hayward tra- trade looks like. I think they will have the assets to do that. Um, Nada, we got to get you out of here. But just rapid fire. Anything else you want to get off your chest uh, before you leave? Just, just boom, boom, boom. What do you got? Just shout it. Just shout. You it know right what? Now. I, I've done enough. Uh, again, Food I'm takes, usually nuance. Uh, player like, takes. Jalen McDaniel's. Tired. Anything on Jalen? Uh, um, anything on uh, ten day Jalen? PJ, is back, by the way. Ten day Jalen is back. <laughs> not this last is. game. Not a this ten day Jalen is good. Look, I, this is this is the thing. I don't think this team was very talented. I think like Walker, we've had this conversation. Like I've had this conversation with all of y'all. I don't think this team was that talented. I just don't like. My only problem was when it looked like they were not going to make the play in. That's when I was like, okay, let's entertain fire, firing JB. Now that they've done that, I don't think that they like i'm kind of okay with where they are you forget that we were in that land not too long ago we were in oh god we might not yes. make the play in tournament yes. land yep. not yeah. too long no. ago it's and, 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 and again that's when i was okay with firing him but yeah. that was the only t- point where i was like okay if washington finds a way to get back into 10 cool yeah we gotta go but yeah. I, in in terms of all of this right now like i just change for change sake never works it, right. It's one of those things that ends up hurting teams, and you end up looking like the Knicks. All right, go back to the college ranks, you amateur, yeah, quote unquote. We're done. Not of the scribe. Follow him on Twitter. Great follow. Charlotte Hornets follow. Got the content going out there constantly. 
Go check out also the Ion College Basketball Podcast, part of CBS. Nada, you're the man. Appreciate you hopping on. Love y'all dudes, man. I'll talk to you soon. Love Nada too. Miss him. I'm glad he came on with us today. All right, let's talk more about Gordon Hayward, that situation. But not before we provide a message from Camp Lejeune for listeners who served in or worked for the United States Marine Corps or have family or friends you might have. I wanted to notify you of an available resource from 1953 to 1987 personnel assigned to Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune were potentially exposed to contaminated drinking water. The Marine Corps has since partnered with health agencies to conduct scientific studies to assess impact from these potential exposures, and they are working to keep those Marines their families, and civilian employees informed with updates and resources available to them. If you were someone you know, uh, who have, if you are someone you know may have been at Camp Lejeune during those years, please consider registering with the Camp Lejeune Historic Drinking Water Notification Database. You can learn more and register at www.marines.mil/clwater. That's www.marines.mil/clwater. Let's react to Nada's comments on the next segment coming up on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. What'd you think, Doug? Good to have the whole squad back together. We were only missing David Walker, and then it would have been a full house for the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And I think we're going to be talking with him tomorrow, right? Should be good. Have you talked to him? I think so. I okay, sounds good. Either way, um, what do you think about? I let's let's continue the Gordon Hayward conversation just to like sure. try to figure out how you can trade him. What are what are the most likely scenarios? How much would it help this team? How much would it hurt them? What areas would they be missing? What I mean, we know what areas they'd be gaining. They'd get a healthy body. So just your overall thoughts on trading Gordon, what you would do it for, the value in return that you'd be willing to take. Yeah, I mean, you have to look back in the past uh, when they've had these large contracts that they've had to get off their books. And I mean, typically this is like a rebuilding situation where you've got some bad money and you're going to take some bad money back. Uh, and you might even have to give up some kind of assets to get that off of of your books, and and I just don't, I just don't think that that. I mean, again, there might be some golden scenario out there. You just never know. Players, other players with big contracts get disgruntled, and then a change of scenery makes sense for both teams. But the big hitch in that is that I think any team that's going to want to deal with the Hornets is going to recognize that Gordon Hayward is not a surefire bet to play. You know, sixty. 70 games in a season and so um that that's going to be difficult to get any like true value back so you know that's that's why i say i mean i really think that they're stuck to a certain degree and they've got to cross their fingers hope that he's healthy next season and find a way to make it all all work it's it's going to be there's no doubt it's going to be difficult uh, but but that's the puzzle that they've created for themselves. Here's what's tough is you go back to this season when we were looking at end season trades before the deadline and we were discussing the importance of Gordon Hayward. And it was real tough to make that call because it would have been nice to get off of 30 million dollars a year. But we also know Gordon meant a lot to this team and they started to kind of figure it figured out without him. The only trade that I saw in any kind of proposed mock for Gordon Hayward to be sent out 
that I was with that I would have pulled the trigger on. It was for Miles Turner. Now, Miles Turner yeah, is I mean, the guy that, that also makes has the most it. sense. Yeah. Well, and it now, but that was even before both of them had their injury problems this right. year. <laughs> so, Miles. Well, so, yeah, I mean, you would be trading yeah. some, you would essentially be trading, uh, you, you know, two players that both have risk involved. So that, that makes the most sense and, and is, you know, how, how much, it, now that they've gotten Sabonis out of there, though, you know, it, it makes a little bit more sense for Indiana to hold on to Miles Turner unless that relationship has soured such that it doesn't make sense for them to stay married anymore. Well, look, we Miles Turner just can't be out of the trade conversation because I think there was a report also at some point in the past month that Indiana feels like they could get a first round pick for him, some kind of lottery protected thing. Go. And, you know, that's the punishment. I, that's the punishment for trading Gordon Hayward is you're probably going to end up having to <laughs> give up some kind of future asset. Well, yeah. And I mean, it seemed like Indiana wanted Gordon Hayward interest er, included in any trade with Miles. Like we we knew that that was a possibility. We also know pretty well that Gordon wanted to go back home to Indiana, but the Pacers just weren't going to offer him as much money. Charlotte offers him more money and he decides, you know what, I'll just take the dough and I'll come down and play for Charlotte. So it would be something that Gordon wanted. Certainly Indiana might want to bring back the Brownsburg native home to play some round ball. Like that would make some sense. I think ultimately your best bet is to find a veteran team underperforming at the all-star break at the trade deadline that is desperate for some kind of bigger name and that happens and i think that's where charlotte could really pounce and get a decent trade is it a philly right is it a brooklyn or i don't know lakers right like just and lakers i don't even know what they would have that i desperately want you know like it's i would i do i do it straight up but if you're if you're just talking about you know, one of those desperate teams. I think that's one of the things that that you got to be. Yeah, but in the for. meantime, you you know, I, I hope that this doesn't turn into a Kimba Walker with the New York Knicks situation, where you know you just send or or you know a very something that's very familiar to Hornets fans, a Nick Batum and Charlotte situation, where you send a player, a veteran player who's making way too much money, who is not going to be part of your future. Uh, you send that player into exile essentially um, that would be very unfortunate and feel like a giant step back for a franchise that I think all these, all fans listening to this podcast really want this. It's time to take steps forward. That's what I'm saying. Like if you can make this thing with Gordon Hayward work at all, it would be fantastic because then you would continue to be moving forward and not have to take a step back uh, and, and continue. I mean, we've just been, it just feels like this organization going back to the Cho era now into the Mitch Kupchak era is constantly having to rewind, make up for bad decisions, and and it just sets your franchise back so significantly when you have to do that. When you have to turn a Miles Plumley into a Dwight Howard into a Bismack Biombo situation, like I just hope, I just really hope that doesn't that doesn't occur, and I really hope that they can finish the season out strong, you know, win a play-in game. And just as an organization, be a little bit more confident about what they have. It's always easy to think about what you could get, but I would rather be much more confident in what they have going into next season um, than than trying to figure out what they you know what they could possibly get. Well, and if we're gonna tie this back before we end today to James Brago and Mitch Kupchak, 
One of the problems was heading into the season, we were discussing how do you manage Gordon Hayward's minutes so this type of thing doesn't happen. And then you get to a large portion of the year, Gordon's leading the damn team in minutes. Like he's played more than anybody. They did not undergo that load management for Gordon. And now he hadn't played except for one game sparingly against Philly, and it was too much for him. <laughs> well, it was well, there was there was this big incongruency, right? That the team seemed like there was a mandate to win. There wasn't necessarily a mandate to like go to the Eastern Conference Finals. That was not a that was not an expectation. But it was to win. Like you've got veterans, you've got, you know, LaMelo Ball in year two. You got a confident leader on the ball. So now it's time to win. Uh, the problem was they had this giant hole in their roster that is going to prevent them. Not it prevented them from winning regular season games, but it was certainly going to prevent them from postseason success. And and we'll we'll see that I think exposed uh, in a play-in game for sure. The fact that they don't, they still really don't have a solid, um, you know, NBA level big rotation. Uh, <laughs> despite despite Mason Plumlee's best efforts to change hands on free throws, uh, it's it's just not there, uh, especially defensively for this team. Uh, it's difficult. You know, I, I think uh, the, the the James Borrego conversation for me comes down to two questions that I don't know that I, you and I can answer. It's really going to happen, you know, it, it, within the organization. And question number one is, what is James Borrego's relationship with LaMelo Ball? Is it good? Can it? Does it have a future? Can it flower? Can it continue to grow? Or is it fine? Uh, that's, and is that good enough? You know, like. yeah. And then number two would be: Is this it? Do, do, does the organization feel confident that James Borrego could lead them into playoff success? Not mm -hmm. player development success, not regular season success, not a winning record in the regular season. Do they feel like this coach is somebody that can take them into the playoffs and win a playoffs series? It, it's and the if they don't then I think it's time to move on. It's the Brett Brown, Tom Thibodeau answer, or Tibbs uh, conundrum, yeah. right? It, or, you, these guys can get you started. Sure. Brett Brown will come in and tank for you. And are they? Are you comfortable with them winning a playoff series? And you're like, you know, Brett Brown's a little bit different to me. I think he got the raw end of the deal in some cases. At the same time, it's that kind of ideology. Is James Borrego a startup? Is he here for the long haul? Or, and, and if he's not here for the long haul, then well, if you already just used Borrego and then now you're done with it. Well, yeah, and, and the third question would be, is the message wearing thin in the locker room? Not just with LaMelo Ball, but the entire roster. Is the message, the four pillars, everything that he's coming into every day after day, is it falling on deaf ears? Because it doesn't matter how good of a coach, how, how skilled you think that coach is in-game, player development, if, if, if the message is not hitting in the locker room, then it's, then it's time to move on. And Especially if that coach yeah. doesn't have the actual on paper success, you know, to 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 back him up. And I have things keep coming up in my head though. Like I and I'm, I imagine if Mitch Kupchak doesn't get Borrego <clears throat> a center this offseason, then he'll want to go on his own. Yeah, we've heard him say it a million times, right? And he so, seemed, yeah, I mean that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like it doesn't <laughs> he doesn't seem like thrilled with the current state of affairs. There was an interesting comment. Um and again, I, I, I'm just I'm re, I'm trying to read tea leaves, you know, read between lines, you know, Do you need figure the speculation this stuff out. Sound? So it's a little bit. Spe it's not. It's not really even speculation. Just play it so we're just, safe. Just play it. So all we're right, safe. fine. Hold you, on. We got to be safe. Get it. You brought the hot take. I don't want to speculate.
Okay. Okay. So uh, there was a comment after the the Heat loss, and Borrego said something to the effect of, "They have a starting unit and they have a bench unit." <laughs> I, I heard that too. I was like, Hi, "This only Borrego, man." Like, yeah, we 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 trapped him. We call it a trap. You know, it's like we we call it a pick and roll. We call it shooting oh, the no, basketball. I get it. Yeah, I call that yeah, a trap. They have a bench unit. They have a starting unit. They're the first seed. It's like just facts. It is your birthday. But it's facts. And and so there was a lot of criticism on the YouTube comments for the lineup um, that went out at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And I and I criticized I criticized the players that were in the beginning of that fourth quarter for yeah. their play. Um, you know, Isaiah Thomas, I think you could have some issue with st- with putting him there in the fourth quarter. But I think, you know, Kelly Oubre has to play better. Miles or Mason Plumley, <laughs> Freudian slip there. Mason Plumley mm-hmm. made some mistakes. So I critique the players. But the thing is, as you're getting ready for the play in, you have to be able to play your bench at the beginning of the fourth quarter. That's a common like that's a common NBA rotation. You play, you know, the, the, to that point, uh, your starters had had big minutes. He had played. Uh, uh, Bridges and he had played Rozier and he had played ball significant minutes heading into that fourth quarter. You you want to be able to depend on your bench to either you know hold a deficit or try to chip into that deficit and then come in strong in the last seven or eight minutes with your starting unit to finish the job. And and I think what Borrego is saying there is like Miami has a bench rotation that is good. And 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 now. It's up to you to decide. I'll leave it to the listener to decide if the subtext there was that Charlotte does not have that bench <laughs> rotation. Um, they've got an important game. Everyone's important down the stretch. They've got one tonight at home against the Orlando Magic. Their next game is against Chicago. Then they will finish up at home, I believe, in Spectrum Center against the Washington Wizards. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm just going to say it right now. The Hornets do not get any credit for playing good, de- they should play good defense. But you're not going to get any yeah. credit from me for playing good defense versus the Orlando Magic or the Washington Wizards. Now, if they do it against Chicago, even though Chicago's slipping, even though Lonzo Ball, unfortunately, we're not going to get ball v ball because Lonzo is out for the rest of the year. Um, but if if they play good defense against Chicago, I'll give them a little bit of credit. But they get zero. Cre- they got to take. This is a take care of business game. Bottom line. Yeah, big dub hat only comes out for Chicago, not Orlando, not not Washington. And and you better win big. It, it, the only way the big dub hat's coming out for Chicago is if they win big. Does that not, mean, I don't want, you know, well, two point win against Chicago, not coming out. Four well, point win, on. not coming out. Well well, hold on. Does that mean the only time we'll see it is if they win a play in game? Like it, could we have seen the last of the big dub hat and we didn't even get to say goodbye? That kind of sucks. I'm sad now. That sucked. That's how we'll end well, today I on mean, the Lockdown you know, Hornets I, podcast. Live in the present. Just appreciate <laughs> things when when they're here. I just hope you don't see the big L come out. Again, yeah, the big I don't, L I don't, I don't want to see that. That thing was hideous. That thing is shameful. And I don't want you to have to wear that again. All right. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NBA, Locked On Experts, covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your pods. Thanks to Nada for hopping on with us, and thanks to you, as always, for listening to us wherever you get your podcasts. That includes YouTube. Have a great rest of your day. Hopefully, we'll have a fun Friday tomorrow uh, Tomorrow with you and uh, David Walker. Mm-hmm.